0: It was quite interesting when we were uh, doing our Stephen King podcast to learn that you've actually been in a Stephen King adaptation.
1: Wow yes these things all come out in these podcasts don't they Um, yes yes I was um, fortunate enough to uh, have been involved in what they call um, Stephen King has these things called dollar babies and it's basically where he sells the rights for some of these short stories um, to filmmakers, literally for a dollar for them to go off and make. Um, and there's been some success stories on this because that's essentially how Frank Darabont uh, was discovered, who obviously went on to do you know, Shawshank Redemption and uh, Green Mile for um for, oh, and of course, *The Mist* <laughs> for, for 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 Stephen King. So, um
0: well, actually, I saw an interview with Frank Darabont and Stephen King, and Stephen King says that it was Frank Darabont who actually uh, was this, got him interested in doing this. Oh, wow! Frank Darabont asked if he could take one of his sort of short stories and turn it into a short film, and he was so you know, he agreed to it and he was so impressed by what Frank Darabont done that he decided to to make the rest of his short films available to other filmmakers and, you know, only charge for a, a dollar. But I think, uh, if I believe I'm right in saying, though, that you, um, even though you have the rights to, to make it for a dollar, I don't think you can show it. I think it's like you can show it at festivals and stuff like that but you can't sort of put it up on youtube or something like that or have it broadcast on tv if if yeah, you need commercial rights it suddenly then you have to sort of pay because um having to look for uh, a lot of these short films that have been made i can't find them yeah
1: okay well that, that would explain a lot and um obviously uh, yeah i'm sure there are you know, caveats and legalities and all that sort of stuff involved, but you know, it does give um, it does give filmmakers who are who are fans of the of the material the the opportunity to um, to, to to go and do something um, based on that, which is which is quite nice. And yes, I, w- I was I was lucky. Um, we've talked on on other podcasts. Obviously, we've only sort of just skimmed the surface with stuff. But um, you, you know, when I when I lived in the US uh, post film school. Uh, I did do a bit of acting while I was out there, um, was involved in, in, in several projects, um, and obviously did some training, et cetera, uh, in that area as well. Um, Popsy's an interesting one, uh, just to give you a little bit of context, backstory, um, of how I, I became involved with that. Um, Pop-Popsy's a short story from Nightmares and Dreamscapes, um, one of Stephen King's, uh, you know short and short story anthology novels and
0: um yeah which i've read and it's is very good it's, it's got some really good stories in this and uh and popsy's it's an all right story i i was i didn't think it was that great but it's uh it's it's kind of interesting yeah i
1: mean interestingly enough they did do um sort of in the mid 2000s i think it was they had a a, a television um anthology series of nightmares and dreamscapes and popsy wasn't one of the stories that they adapted so um, yeah um interesting but uh basically this, this was made by a um a filmmaker called brian haynes um brian was actually uh on exactly the same film course that i was in the same year that i was in um back in my film school uh, days in, in in the u.s um brian I, I always got on very well with brian brian was a real uh massively passionate and massively knowledgeable about films i mean brian what you know he used to put me to shame uh, what he didn't know about films he was kind of the imdb before the imdb existed if that makes sense you know he, <laughs>
0: that makes sense he, he, yes. he, re-
1: he really did know his stuff um a bit big fan of big fan of um horror films uh really liked you know like the universal monster movies and things of that nature uh, and obviously a big stephen king fan of of both his his film work and his his written work um so uh you know i knew brian through film school what what happened when we were at film school um the the, the summer before i moved to los angeles i actually uh in fact the, the first British Isles production wasn't actually Overpass, which was my film. It was actually a film um that I produced for Brian, uh called The Wheelchair People. Okay, which was uh it was it was basically it was a short film. It was done in the sort of narrative of a trailer for a feature. Um we shot it on 35 mil using um short ends and um which we've talked about in other podcasts what they are, and um We'd use kit. This was when I had, was at the at Vaughan Broadcast at Chapman Leonard Studios, so had access to like Ariflex five three five cameras and, and alike. So um, we basically, I, I produced this film for him. Uh, it was a sort of comedy uh, satire thing about a. Um, it was it was kind of having a go at people that park in disabled spaces or use disabled toilets uh, when they shouldn't do. Um, and it involved a, uh, a group of um, uh, wheelchair bound sort of hell's angel type guys that, that, that go around and, uh, and cause havoc to, uh, to, to people that abuse the system. Um, very amusing, always got a lot of laughs, was always very popular at film festivals and things that, that, that we showed that. Um uh, so I, I helped produce that. I, I have a very small cameo in it with the worst hair day I've ever had in my life um, <laughs> on it. Uh, but but yeah, it, it was it was quite a fun film. Uh, we filmed it on the on the on the Valencia campus. Um, so uh, that that you know, I'd worked with Brian previously on that. Um, obviously I then came back as, as the story goes, you know, to the UK and, uh, started working here as, as an actor doing, you know, more training, student films, uh, independent features, you know, various, uh, levels of success with, with those. Um, and it was really weird because I would put a show reel together, which is, you know, one of those things you do when you start trying to get material back from filmmakers and, um, I was living in London. Uh, this was the end of 2004 and so <laughs> God, bloody hell, 11 years ago. That's scary. And, um, I sent my show reel, which was on DVD at the time. I, I sent that across to Ralph, um, at the college just to show him what I'd done, just, just for him to have a look at, um, as fate would we- weirdly have it, uh, Brian had visited Ralph as a, an alumni of the, the film program and was doing very much what, what we talked about in the uh, feature podcast, where he was pitching Ralph the idea to use the college to make this Stephen King adaptation of Popsy um, as part of the film program um, as a short film. And apparently this coincided with my DVD, showreel being delivered to Ralph okay so very odd um, Ralph you know put it in and played it and uh, Brian watched it and Dave Connolly who was he played Max in Overpass uh was there as well because Dave Connolly was involved in he was going to help Brian produce this this short film and I think he 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 put some of the money into it um as well now I got a phone call um from the u.s from brian basically saying hey man uh long time no speak i saw your show reel i've got a project i want to talk to you about so i was like okay fine so i rang him back and we had a long you know we had a good catch-up and a long conversation costly phone call um and uh we didn't have skype then um sadly and uh basically he sort of said to me, look, I'm going to do this project with Valencia uh, beginning part of next year. So early 2005. Um, and I, I, you know, I've seen your show real, uh, you know, it, it's good what, what I can see on there. Uh, I'd be interested in you playing the lead in this film. So I was like, blimey, I was, you know, somewhat flattered by this. And I was like, OK. And I said, well, you know tell me more so he he told me it was the um you know the short story from Nightmares and Dreamscapes and he said that he'd adapted it into a script and they they were filming it with Valencia there were a lot of um Valencia alumni that were going to be in key roles so he was getting a team of people around him that that that, you know we all knew and and all worked with and he was going to do it with that class of 2005 2006 whatever um So, you know, I was a little stunned by this. And he said, what they would do is they would pay for my flight to come over to the US. Um, I'd be able to stay. I'd be able to stay with them. So my accommodation would be sorted. And um, he really thought that it would be interesting for me to play. So uh, basically he sent me the script. And I also I went to the library. Remember those when we had libraries and I rented out the book of of nightmares and dreamscapes. And I read the, the, the short story. And I also read his script. And I rang him, you know, back and I said, look, you know, I'm very interested in this, but I, I, I'm I'm worried that you're just kind of picking me for this because, you know, you happened to see my showreel and you know, I was a we were good mates at film school. And you know, uh, am I definitely right for this? You know, am I right for this part? And the the reason i knew brian had thought about it is brian suddenly came up with this whole reason and this whole backstory because in the book you know Brig sheridan it's the name of the character he is clearly an american guy um you know etc but he'd come up with this whole um backstory that, that that my character had got in trouble with 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 um uh, gambling circles over in the UK, and you know, you know there were people after him because of debt and stuff. So he, he'd come and moved out to the US, and and sort of was, was was hiding out in the US. And also, Brian said the other reason that he wanted to cast me because because I, I one of my questions was well, do you know, do I have to do this in an American accent? Is it? And he said, no, no, no. We want you to be English because um, the fact that he has to sort of go you know, up to this 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 child and 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 ask them, you you know, essentially kidnap this child Um, because of the way American people tend to react to people with English accents and whatever. He felt that that would actually be a more realistic narrative way of, of, of getting the kid to trust him uh etc so he had all these reasons and i thought well i i need to keep my mouth shut now because basically i'm being offered a, a, a month in the u.s paid for where i get to catch up with people i've not seen in well eight years or however long it had been since you know i graduated film school I Just
0: sorry just to interrupt you um now you you sent me a copy of the film to watch I did. thank you very much no problem and um the one thing I so just listening to your story there it kind of struck me was you did you did do it in a kind of American accent, I, especially that first scene, it, it came across kind of more American than British. It you know, it reminded me of you know, the voice you used for um the, that radio play we did with Rob and Clive as the narrator.
1: Oh, right, okay,
0: you sounded like that really in the film, okay, yeah, interesting now I, I you know i was thinking oh is uh, he's doing an american accent it's not it's not very good
1: well oh, i mean it, it, it's good that it wasn't very good cuz it wasn't supposed to be an american accent but uh... yeah it was just like
0: <laughs> I, you know it wasn't your normal accent i was thinking wow they they've they you know just listening to you there it's like well they bring you over and they're going to have a british guy but uh, you know you didn't come across so much Especially that opening scene where you, well, know, you sounded more American I, than British. I think
1: it might have been a a little bit to do with with obviously how the dialogue is written um, for for one yeah. thing, but also you know the idea was that you know I, I had I had been living in the US for you know a, a short amount of time. I mean interestingly, and this is nothing to do with this, but I, I'll say it when, when I when I came back from the states after having you know lived out there for four and a half years. Lots of people said to me, and I didn't think I did at all, that, that I had an American accent. And I was like, really? And, and I think what it was, was it was less about having an accent and more about having picked up certain phrases and ways of saying things that, 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 that are quite American. Like, for example, I just need to, to go in here real quick as opposed to sort of like oh i just need to pop into the shop or whatever you know um yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know but yeah. but it wasn't a conscious thing on my part let's put it that way so it might have been something to do with how it was written perhaps um yeah yeah
0: i mean fact i think um if if you're in a film and you're playing like a, a british character then it should be british even if he's been over in the states for a while because otherwise that it's just a bit it's just weird okay it sort of throws you that's what all oh, right interesting i mean i mean, I'll, I'll... unless it's unless it's really integral to the story and that they bring it up and stuff because otherwise it's just it, it it did throw me a bit i'm like oh is he is he doing american i mean it, i thought you might have filmed this when you were over there studying i didn't realize they uh they shipped you over, yeah,
1: yeah, they did. But um I mean, I, I'll be honest. I I I sent it to you so you could watch it for this podcast. I haven't actually watched it in a while, but um, uh, and I'll come it. I'll come on to my you know thoughts and stuff uh, in a bit. But um, so so basically, you know, this this is how it was set up, and and I I I went out there, and it was great. You know, um, I was I was well looked after. It was a great reunion because there were a lot of um, uh, key players uh, from the film school days that, 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 that were involved in this. Um, uh, the, the, the cinematographer on it was Hector Lopez, who had been, uh, one of my colleagues at Vaughan and, and the guy that edited, um, on the Avid, he edited Overpass, uh, with me. Um, so, you know, it was good to, good to see and work with him again. Um, the, uh, um, one of the actors in it, uh playing one of the characters as my good friend james cheshire who uh was was one one of my you know really really close mates at film school uh dave connolly was obviously producing this and he was he was the guy who was max in overpass um maylene vega came on to do um costumes she was a friend of mine from from film school uh there was angela Bell. you know i I don't want to miss anyone and also i have to say thank you darren wyland who was um Uh, a friend uh, out out there, actually uh, got me insured on a car that he loaned me for the time I was out there. So I had transport and he did the photography uh, on the film um, in terms of the stills. Because what we did was, this is probably one of the few things that uh, any listeners will be able to see um, as it's not online, is we did an EC Comics inspired uh, poster for the film, which is on IMDb. Um, and of course, you know, obviously uh it that was done by an artist, but we had to sort of do the pose in reality first for the, them to be able to work work on that with. So um you, you, you know, Brian Brian had that. And 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 I did a bit of research before I came out. Obviously, I'd read the material. Um, Brian asked me to look at uh films like Cat's Eye, um and sort of uh James Wood's performance in that. Uh, he was very much looking to try and get the feel of that, that era of Stephen King movie. That was kind of his, his, his aesthetic and his, his feel for it. Um, so, you you know, uh, we were working with the Valencia crew from that, that particular year, obviously Ralph was, was, you know, executive producer on this and, um, you know it was quite a big production it was quite a big deal we actually filmed it at universal studios we had a uh, we had a studio within the studio there that we were um using to do all of the uh van interiors um in uh you, you know there was a lot of um you know shooting out in the woods on location for some of it um you know shopping malls uh, all sorts of things and um you know, it was, it, there was, there was a lot of detail that Brian had put into this film. A lot of thought, uh, went into it. And in terms of actually making the film, it was, it was a very enjoyable experience. And, um, uh, you know, you know, as I said, I got to hang out with friends. I got to be in this and be in a lead role and, you, you know, it, it it was quite fun and it was quite exciting. And, um, you, you, you know, the production, uh, you know it had its problems like any do but for for me I was quite well looked after and um and and given some you you know uh you know given some experience here because you know this was still fairly early we're talking you know it was 11 years ago um you know I, I was still trying to sort of break into the industry trying to get a name going and um you know, you know, it was good experience for me. And I, I was, you know, kind of hoping, honestly, that it would, it would lead to a bit more exposure than it did. Um, obviously working with the, it, it was, it was interesting because uh, of course we had to follow, it was done as a professional shoot. So we had to follow various, um, uh, you know, laws and stuff um, with it. So working, working with the kid who at the time was about, eight years old i think uh so scary so scary <laughs> he's probably pushing 20, 20 now. now that's scary yeah but um <laughs> essentially you can only work you know as it is with, with that for certain hours so um we would do all of all of the two shots and um close-ups of him first but anytime you essentially see me uh speaking to him in a, in a close-up on me i'm literally talking to nothing um <laughs> i i i I, uh, I this has happened a few times i did a did a feet independent feature over here directed by ian diaz called bad day which um i i acted opposite donna air and there was a a, oh. a scene in that film um which takes place you know it's quite a a, a br- brutal exchange between the pair of us but all of my close-ups i remember she had to go off somewhere else all of my close-ups i'm literally uh you know, talking to thin air, and we didn't even have an ad reading in the lines or anything. So it was kind of, uh, it's kind of a skill that you've got to sort of learn as a screen actor that that, that I've had to do a few times now. So um, I want to talk about okay. that
0: because I have to say it's. I think it's. I I've I'd never let something like that ever happen on one of my sets. If even I've done this from day one when I've done. Uh, auditions i've always had an actor in the room with me who would read the lines with the people being auditioned so when it comes to scenes you know to have the other person there is crucial Mm. now i don't understand when you're you know you have somebody who's either a celebrity or famous or well known that their time can be very limited but uh it's, it's it's i'm guessing that they had no choice but to 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 wrap her and let her go because she had other things to do and she was just you know doing them a favor by coming in doing a couple of hours work and then leaving
1: yeah i mean i think not not, not generally but i think i think on this particular day there was there, there was okay, some yeah. particular exception on that day and it was just the way it worked out and i didn't mind i was like yeah sure but i mean it, it's not an ideal scenario and um no of course you know when you work with children it's very necessary to do that um well, uh, yes
0: it's, it's very under, it's very understandable with the child yeah. as well and i also i don't think you're going to get much reactions out of them anyway yeah but um you know um it's just i think when there's a scene with two people and you're doing coverage and stuff even though the other person is not on camera they should still be there they shouldn't
1: oh i agree yeah in an, an ideal and, and per i mean when i'm when i'm acting opposite someone um you, you know when it when it's when it's on their coverage i will always you know, give them eyeline and and give them a performance to 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 work off. You, you know as well. So you, you know it's it, but but you know the industry doesn't always work like that, and it's not always possible. But um, uh, but yeah. So well, but I mean, I think uh,
0: I mean just my final thought mm-hmm. on this is that um, I think you, you very much you know if you're in charge of a set and you've got these people and you're paying them you know they're there to do a job and that's part of the job and they have to do it so uh just warning to actors (laughs) who may work with me is that you know i'm not going to stand for that kind of behavior if you're on set you're on set you're not going to go off and you know because of who you are what you do yeah uh,
1: no absolutely in an ideal world you know you want to be there all the time of course but um there are i guess sometimes you know exceptions and and those were a couple of them, but, um, but yeah, so, um, y- you know, it was a very, it was a very fun shoot. Um, it was interesting. I, I, I had my first sort of experience of, of how different actors work and like method type actors and whatever, because the guy that played, um, uh, Mr. Reggie in this film, um, we, cause we had a little get together, um, prior to the shoot, um okay. you know, just a sort of drinks and nibbles and sort of get to meet everyone and, and whatever. And this guy specifically asked Brian if he and I could not uh be talk. So basically he wanted us in different corners of the room, okay, because oh, okay. of his process. And what was funny is after we'd shot our scenes together, um he he came up to me um you know gave me a big hug shook my hand and said you know it's been great working with you he said look um I'm sorry I didn't speak to you beforehand but he said that's just my process he said I know particularly being a Brit and whatever I'd, I'd kind of probably like you and uh you know it's very important that my character didn't like you so I just didn't want that that distraction there, which I totally respected, you know, and it was very nice of him to come up and, and say that afterwards, oh, but uh, it was, it indeed. was interesting. I mean, it's, <laughs>
0: you, you hear examples of when these things happen and uh, you know, and where actors decide not to meet uh, before they actually appear on screen together. But, um, you know, I, I think that that actor handled it very well afterwards because a lot of the time, uh, I've heard instances where actors who've done that, then you know, they still continue that afterwards, and the other actors feel, well, you know, what's what's his problem? Mm.
1: Yeah, no, exactly.
0: Apart from being a method actor. (laughs) Yeah, no,
1: exactly, exactly. It's (laughs) like uh, no, so it was interesting. Um, So you you know, it it was a fun, fun few weeks. As I said, we had a couple of there was there was like I think I can't remember. It's a long time ago now, exact timeline, but it was it was kind of um, a week of. Uh, prep um and a week shooting and then uh I, I was out there for a month but I you know I got time to sort of hang out and have a bit of a holiday as well which was which was great um it's re- no, it's weird. really annoying I can't find it and I've tried to get in touch with them I did a in the Stephen King uh short films society um actually had me it was it was a text interview they had me do an interview uh, back in the day when we'd done this and um i'd you know answered quite a few questions and told quite a lot of stories you know reminiscing on on the experience um they've had like a website change and annoyingly that doesn't seem to be in the archive anymore um because i was oh, i was right. kind of wanting to find it and and sort of reread it prior to this so i'd you know have some sort of um, things that I may have forgotten that I, that I could talk about, but, uh, uh, no, it doesn't seem to be available, which is a shame now. Um, so, 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 yeah, so we made the film. We, we, you know, we, we did all of that and that was all lovely. Um, this was shot on, I was, I was trying to remember actually, because like, you know, I was able to spout off what we shot wheelchair people on because, you know, it used to be, it was either going to be, 16 super 16 or 35 and it was either going to be you know widescreen or 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 scope and it was you know and camera wise though it was either going to be ARRI or Panavision and maybe one or two others but it was much simpler whereas now which obviously keeps me in a job as a living but now we're in the uh, the digital realm there are so many manufacturers and formats and things out there that I honestly don't remember it was it was Again, it was it was fairly early digital um, cameras, but it was it was, you know, top of the line stuff. And I don't remember what the make of the camera was that this was shot on. unfortunately.
0: Right. To, to my eye, it looks like DigiBeater. Digi
1: oh, no, it was. It was definitely more um, uh, more more cinematic than that, for sure. Yes, because oh, did he beat Yeah, cap. yeah. It was. It was. I don't remember what one it was. I, I honestly don't. Which is. oh would have
0: been Sony then.
1: I think it was. Yeah, yeah.
0: But um, oh, okay. It looked. Uh, I, well, uh, well. I'll give you. No, I'll no. give you my thoughts on the cinematography on it. And I have to say, it didn't look great right. at all. It looked, it, if anything, it looked overlit and very sort of TV
1: like. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, I, I, there was there were certain things Brian was going for. And, and you know i totally respect right. that um here, here's the, here's the thing and I, and I the trouble is because time has passed on and whatever i don't know again exactly what happened but it's an, it's another one of these sadly one of these things that sort of didn't really lead to anything uh, although it did get finished um but basically uh you know the film was shot and and i came back to England and and life went on. And, you know, the months went by as, as they do with this sort of thing. And Brian, you know, Brian, Brian, sadly, I've lost touch with him over the years, which is a real shame um, because I, I really like Brian. Um, and he and I got on really well um, while we were making this. His wife was heavily pregnant. And I know that, you know, obviously shortly after his son was born. And I think, you, you know, real life kind of got in the way for a little bit. Um now, in terms of post-production, uh, I know Rodrigo um, Bermudas, who I mentioned on this, you know, my old, uh, my old flatmate over in the film school, he, he, um, he was involved in composing the music. However, Brian was very specific about there were certain, like, I mean, one of my character traits that I had in this was I was constantly making up old, you know, analogue, mix tapes and labeling them up with sort of disco music it was like you know song songs <laughs> yeah. to do cleaning to songs to do kidnaps to you know all of all of these sort of things <laughs> and he yeah. was very specific and i know he, he used the the um the song uh, oh sorry the, the 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 classic russian dance of the nights. and i always forget the name of the composer but it's it's the music they use for the apprentice nowadays which always makes me laugh oh, but, right. but you know for the sequence where um where he's you know, my character is kind of preparing for the uh, for, for for the the abduction, um the kidnapping. Um and, and you know, we, we shot all of this and it was all all good. When now I don't know exactly what happened during the post side of things. Um I've heard various stories. Um essentially uh Brian I don't know who he used to edit or, or how, how it got involved, but it was one of these Again, a little bit like some other stories we've told, it was one of these things where the, the, the effort uh, really went into the prepping of this film and the actual production, you know, and the production was quite a big deal at the time, you know, it was a full-on crew, uh, you know, as I said, shooting at Universal Studios for some of it. When I saw the film, and, uh, you, you know, I mean this, again, with total respect to Brian, because I, I love him to bits, um, but I was disappointed. I'll be honest. Um, What I felt was that it's almost like it's almost like he didn't want to cut anything. Um, So to me, I mean, at 24 minutes, 25 minutes or whatever it is, the film feels extremely flabby. It doesn't feel tight at all. Um, It's almost as if like it was edited right from the moment that he said action right up to the moment he'd say cut that's or at least that's how it felt to me watching it the other thing was although rod had done some great music and whatever in terms of actual sound design and grading and all of those sort of polishing things that you do you know in in a film's post-production to to really finish it off um, it, it it kind of felt a little bit rushed and a little bit um, it, it, it felt rough around the edges to me. And and I have to be honest, um, you know, much as I absolutely love the experience of doing the film and impressed that he's got it finished and had a proper cover and things of that nature. Obviously what you said at the beginning makes total sense as to why unfortunately it's not online or available to see, um, but uh, yeah, I was slightly disappointed now. Over the years, obviously, uh, as I said, lost contact. But um, I hear that Brian became quite sort of, which is a shame as as someone so passionate about film, but became quite sort of disillusioned with the whole business and and process. Um, Again, this is only what I've heard. And uh, I believe there were various problems throughout post-production on this, which um, uh, kind of, you know, you know things with producers and money and and people's time and this, that, and the other. Various things happen that I don't really know the true story or the true facts to. Um, but I do think, uh, you know, there was a better movie there, and sadly, you know, it ended up with something that uh, that that. If I'm honest, and, and you know, I'd say this to Brian. In fact, I think I have said it to Brian uh, before we lost contact was. It just felt like it wasn't particularly polished um, in the in the post side of things. So it could have been graded it better. It could have been edited tighter and there could have been more sound design done on it. And I think it would have been a a, a better film. Um, that's not to say that I'm perfect in it in any way, shape or form. Uh, it's interesting you picked up on my acting um, at the beginning of the podcast and, and, I, and I respect and And salute that, I think I've um I think I've learnt quite a lot about the craft since I did this film. Um, but you know, like many things, it was it was one of those films I did hoping that it would further things for me career-wise, and it didn't and hasn't. Um so and, and again, it's one of those things that I've never really talked about, but obviously these these platforms um or this podcast becomes a bit of a platform for that. And of course it does tie in nicely with the fact that we've just done a, a podcast on on Stephen King so yeah
0: sort of why did post production fee cuz i mean so this is back in 2006 and you know to get to do things post production wise you had to go to a company and it always cost money mm-hmm. and uh, it's not like how it is today where you can do all this stuff in the bedroom exactly I mean, I do most of my own posts. I mean, I do all of my editing. I do uh, grading. Uh, though sometimes I'll get Rob to come in and look at it because he's a professional grader. Uh, the only thing I don't do is sound design. I always pass that on to somebody else because because um, there's people out there who are better at it. But, um, but the thing is, a uh, majority of them have worked from sort of home studios. So, I imagine, as you say, that he's spent the money making the film. And then when it came to post, it came down to favors. And the thing about favors is they're just doing it in their own time, out of hours. And so, you know, sometimes they can't bring the, the same kind of polish that, uh, you know, that uh, somebody that you were paying for their time could bring or something that you would do yourself. At no,
1: home. absolutely. And I, and I do think that this is victim of that actually, um, in terms of, I'm not trying to make excuses, uh, for it, but, um, you, you, you know, I mean, I, I, I've, I've, I've since spoken with, I'm still in touch with James Cheshire, who, who is in the movie. He played, um, uh, the character called Mr. Merriweather. And, um, he, uh, I know he was, he was slightly disappointed with how it turned out as well. Um, and uh i've've and obviously Dave Connolly who was who was fabulous I mean Dave, Dave paid for me to go out there and and you know sorted things out for me uh, big time when I was out there um you know I don't know exactly what happened um I haven't spoken to them in in length about this, but I know that uh, that, that there were some issues and and obviously you know Brian at this point had a, a family to take care of. Um, and uh i think you know they 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 gradually sort of lost touch i won't i won't say fell out because that's probably too too extreme but you you know things went by the wayside and um yes the film got completed which which was great and i guess you know it went to I, i think these go to stephen king i think i think he actually does see them or something but um but obviously, uh, and 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 of course, I I believe Valencia showed it at one of their film festivals, and uh, I think it was in the Florida Film Festival at one point as well. But um, but but you know, you know, uh, sad sadly, over the years, um, you, you know, I have lost sort of touch with 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 quite a few of these guys. And as I said, it was a wonderful experience to make it and and i've thoroughly enjoyed it and i look back on it you know still with fond memories that was a great month of my life that was that was awesome and um uh you, you know and, and everybody's craft on it etc but i just think that personally looking at it now i just think uh, or when i saw it i just think it really lost something um in post which is a shame
0: though no hell of a thrill to think that stephen king's seen your work
1: yeah i mean i i think so i I don't know that for a fact but um i believe he does have to see all of these films you know as part of the in inverted commas agreement um like i said i really wish i could find that interview because there was a lot more information about this and at the moment i'm just sort of digging back in my brain you know 11 years and um uh you, you, you know it, at the time it was it I, I was loving every minute of it uh, literally you know loving every minute of it but uh, you, you know I'm not going to lie when I saw the finished product I I felt slightly deflated and um of course you know not much has happened with this since um you know sadly Brian didn't go on to be the next Frank Darabon or anything like that to my knowledge anyway unless he's changed his name <laughs> but uh yeah, you know, and I'd love to get back in touch with him because he was to to geek out and do like like he'd be a great person to have on the podcast, for example, because he 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 could talk about movies, you, you know, for forever. And as I said, he he put me to shame big time often with it. But uh, um, I'd like to find out a bit more about what happened. Sadly, it was one of those things where I went in, did my acting job, enjoyed it thoroughly, came away obviously didn't have anything to do with it and a year later you know end up getting a dvd in the post and um you know was kind of like oh, oh okay and really heard no more about it since so uh until you mentioned it for for the podcast because yes indeed it is an imdb credit it's it's on there yeah yeah i think that's how you found it wasn't it is that how you found it
0: yes okay. that's how i found it yeah yeah, I was looking at your IMDb page
1: because this was your idea. It wasn't me saying, "Oh, I'll talk about boxing." <laughs> so you know, um, just like it wasn't me. Oh, I'll talk about a feature. I'll talk about this. But you know, it's 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 great that I'm able to sort of share these uh... stories. You know, it's 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 good.
0: But uh, yeah, well, Um I, I I put it out there that uh, if. Brian Haynes wants to come onto the podcast. We'd very much like to have him and he can tell us more and fill in. Oh, the I'd ads. love to
1: catch up with him. That would be awesome. It really would. But can
0: I just say, I don't think it's all bad. Okay, good. <laughs> so I, I watched it today and, um, I thought that the, uh, the montage scene where you're getting ready to do the kidnapping works really well. Um, I think, uh, I mean, yeah i it it is a bit baggy i mean when i saw the running time was 24 minutes i was like oh my god and um i think some of the decisions in there were a bit odd i mean like the bit where the young boy is waiting outside um the store and you have these three kids sort of lined up against the wall and they can quite clearly see you and i'm thinking well, why would he do the kidnapping in front of these three witnesses? Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I know what you mean. Uh,
0: that, that that didn't sort of ring true. I mean, the stuff with you could see the security guard inside, I thought worked kind of well, but then having these three kids there were just okay. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever experienced this where you're shooting something and then in, in public and you don't have permission to film there, you have no control or you have no control. And, uh, you know, so you have members of the public turn up and it did feel like, oh, look, there's three members of the public and they won't fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> no, they they were actually cast saddened. extras
1: and everything. But I, again, Brian probably had his reasons for that. But I, I don't know what they were. Um, I mean, one of the things that, that, that I think sadly really lets the film down, and this is a typical you know production time and 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 money thing i guess is sadly the 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 climax that the the money shots if you like of the film really don't work and that was because we we shot that it was a very very cold night again one of these florida cold nights yeah because it was january of that year um we shot in the woods it was a night shoot but what was this involved was first of all, it involved a cable rig for the actual door of the van flying off. Yeah. Or being ripped off by um Popsy. Yeah. Uh, the vampire. It also involved my fingers being cut off and obviously my throat being slit and all this. So I was in makeup for a massive amount of time.
0: All right. I'm going to, I'm going to say about that. Cause you just reminded yeah. me the, the bit where you're, being used as a drink dispenser was actually really good i actually like that i thought that bit was really well done i mean the stuff with the effects was all yeah right. I mean, well it, do you know it's not, it's not a, the best it's a effects. shame i'm
1: hoping that uh, i was always hoping that some of the because again brian i think I, I think he kind of lost faith in it all but at the time we were having sort of behind the scenes stuff and all, all sorts and interviews and all sorts of things done and there was a really funny bit there, actually, that after the drinking the blood from my throat, I mean, spoilers galore. Obviously I die in this, <laughs> but on the Bill, it's my <laughs> Bill Paxton phase. Yeah. But, um, uh, you, you know, the, the um, the, the, the rig that they had with the sort of fake neck and the tube and everything and the blood coming out it was really sick stuff, this eight-year-old boy like cupping his hands and drinking dessert. But it took <laughs> ages for that to finish after, but they kept rolling. And of course, I had oh, to be wow. there waiting for the... Um, uh the thing to 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 drain out so of course i'm there no, going uh, okay. oh I'm, I'm terribly sorry it's just a flesh wound and you, you know and and the crew were all in <laughs> hysterics and i was just doing that sort of polite british guy you know bleeding to death yes. routine and and all this and uh, you know originally that was going to sort of be on the dvd extras which didn't materialize there were no extras on the dvd no, so um no uh yeah so i don't know what happened but um but but yeah you know that for me the the tension the build-up in that bit i know exactly what brian was going for and i know he had it all storyboarded and everything but i remember that particular night which was quite towards the end of the shoot uh because we had to obviously rip the van door off and shit like that so it was scheduled late in the shoot um because of makeup because of rigging effects because of all sorts of things i know Brian was slightly frustrated because he, we sort of ran out of time to get exactly what he wanted, yeah. um, you, you know. And, uh, and 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 I think it shows. The other thing, which which um, again, I only saw this. I didn't see it the first time I watched it, but on a repeated view, I couldn't believe that the whoever edited it hadn't spotted this. Um, when uh, when I had to, there were some bits where, if it was on uh, the kid. I had to help because he was eight years old he'd get tired you know all this sort of thing and i'd have to help prompt him so when he's answering like yes or no and all this i would literally you know nod my head so that he'd copy me and i'd shake my head so he'd do no whatever well there's one shot where we're supposed to be driving which again doesn't feel like i mean i know i had issues with this and overpass but the same with this doesn't really feel like we're moving um but you can actually see, I didn't even realize I was slightly in frame, but you can see me off in the corner of the frame doing that. And they hadn't like blown the picture up to sort of mask me out or anything. I mean, first of all, I wasn't told during the shoot that I was in shot, which is bad. But I mean, I'm only mm-hmm. just in shot. But the, the fact that, you know, nobody picked up on that in post and, and fixed that, it's pretty bad. Like I said, I'm supposed to be driving and looking out the window and you can see I'm nodding and giving the, 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 the kid visual cues to, to work off of. And you can actually just about see it. I don't know whether that's to do with a conversion from um, you know, the US format to, to UK that I'm seeing slightly more picture, maybe. I don't know. No. But um
0: No, that that's not think, that would not be yeah. the case. Um it, it's all about um you know uh, it's the the amount of frames so it, it's more frames is second than actual what's in the frame. yeah that doesn't that doesn't change but um i just found a review for you for the oh wait right. okay. um um i found this through imdb and uh it's uh the website is lydia's library the world of stephen King. okay and this is a review she did back in March 26, 2007. And I'll, I'll read it to you. When I get a dollar baby to review, it varies quite a lot when it comes to how it's packed and presented. Some I get it as a file in an email. Some I, I get on a burnt CD or a video cassette. Sometimes though, and this is, is the nice ones, one, I get a dollar baby that is on a nice looking DVD disc that has a nice cover, menus, and even trailers. Those, needless to say, are the time it's extra fun to review uh, Dollar Baby. Uh, So she goes on to say about how, you know, how well presented the film is. Uh, But then she puts a little um, caveat on there saying, but having seen a lot of Dollar Babies, I know better than just to fall for a nice cover, if you know what I mean. So I calmed down and pressed play. And so she said, after seeing the movie, I'm happy to say I was still impressed popsy is a very good-looking dollar baby. Sure, you can tell that the acting is done by amateurs, (laughs) good amateurs, but still amateurs. Ah, It's a ah, nice-looking movie, though. There's my (laughs) career right there. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The weak link in the movie is the kid. He is good in some scenes and not so good in some. It gives an average feeling that he's okay, but could do better. I'm also a bit skeptical to the biting scenes. Looks a bit fake. What I do like though is the overall feeling of Popsy, and of course, the scene at the end where Popsy slits Sheridan's throat and lets his grandson drink very well done for a dollar baby. So, for a dollar baby, Popsy is definitely above average. Brian has done a good job with it, and I sure hope it will reach out to more people in the future. With the number of dollar babies out there, it's definitely a time for a DVD with the best of them collected, and if that happens, I bet you will find Popsy included. Wow. Know, somebody who in in quite enjoy yeah well
1: you know and and, and and you know to be fair even though i'm i'm unhappy with the finished film you know uh i'm not saying brian didn't do a good job you know he was great to work with he had this whole vision for it and um you know right down to the the dvd cover you know he wanted that to look like the front of an ec comics um cover mm. you know that was kind of the inspiration for it which uh you know, which it does, and it was quite cool to to sort of have it. You know, that that you know, as a finished product, which was nice. So, you know, I, I got my DVD and whatever out of it, which is good. Uh, what I didn't get out of it was was any career opportunities. But hey ho, you know, that's 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 nobody's fault. That's just fate. No. <laughs>
0: that's just show business indeed indeed <laughs>
1: but, uh, and I hope I didn't miss anyone off the list of, of people that I was working with that, that were old sort of uh, school friends but um you know it was great to see you know those those people back and um, uh you, you know I got to hang out with some of my other friends like you know Dan and uh, you know James and those guys out there as well and rod came over as well for the last um, week of it uh, just to to hang out so that was cool
0: yeah so i think that's that's a good place to end yeah cool so uh let's finish on our, our, our usual way so keith where can we find your other work okay
1: you can find other work at uh, on youtube at british isles e-y-l-e-s um there's uh short films that i've made there which um yeah feel free to to view share comment whatever that'll be great um Unfortunately, though, I can't tell you anywhere that you can see Popsy. I think the only thing that exists in the public domain is is a trailer for this. If you put in "Popsy film," I think it comes up with a trailer for it. I think.
0: Well, I'll I'll put a link in the uh, show notes. Great, thank you. And uh, you can find my non Stephen King work <laughs> at uh, independentrunnings.com. Though, uh, as I mentioned in the in the last podcast, I. There is one story I have my eye on and, uh, you know, if the rights become available again, I might pursue it because, uh, I think it's quite a good, uh, property to do, but uh, I can see why it's, it's not been made yet.
1: Mm. Interesting.
0: So you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at, uh, just look for movie heaven, movie hell and, uh, check us out on iTunes. Give us a, a review and, uh, you know a rating
1: and and thank you and thank you simon for letting me have another trip down memory lane i must admit it is <laughs> it is when, when i think oh god i've done nothing and got nowhere well you know the getting nowhere part maybe but i look back and think actually yeah, there, there was there's been some there's been some fun experiences along the journey and uh, popsy is definitely one of the highlights for me well
0: you're very welcome and uh we will continue to drag you down memory lane
1: (laughs) (laughs) or just drag me down
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh but i mean these lessons we learn they they help us with you know our own projects or what we do
1: oh you learn from Um, everything even 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 the even the shitty experiences are still you know there's usually a lesson in there somewhere of what not to do or Or what to do differently i think
0: you learn more from the shitty experiences than you do from the good experiences yeah maybe
1: maybe but this was a good experience as i said i don't want i want to make that very clear popsy was a great experience i loved it and i'm 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 so grateful to that and everybody that made that possible for me oh actually can i say one more thing sorry i'd like to you know you you know we we sometimes dedicate podcasts you know what um I mentioned earlier The Wheelchair People, uh, which was a, the first film I produced for Brian um, when we were at Valencia. Um, now, you never, I, I know I wanted a dedication on, on the film itself, but it had already been completed at this point. But um, one of The Wheelchair People was a, was a friend of mine at film school called J.D. Taylor, um he was a bit older than the rest of us uh when when we did it he was sort of already in his 40s but he was a really really nice guy and a really clever guy um he would have made a fantastic filmmaker I, I'm, I'm sure of that now uh, jd ha- played one of the wheelchair people in this film he had like one line in it um you know he really kind of looked the part if you like of <laughs> that they wanted mm-hmm. um but shortly after I left the US in fact just before I left the US he, he did tell me that he was ill and um you know within a year of 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 me leaving the US he he sadly died and um you, you know I, I I still think about JD I miss him and uh as we're recording something for for you know um future listening or whatever I would like to uh remember some of those people lost along the way so um I'd like to dedicate this to JD Taylor.